With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome to the House of David Ministries. I am Pastor Keith Allen. And today is March 11th, 2015. And we'll be going over Bible study in the book of Jeremiah chapter 3. Okay, so love, can you hear me up there? Yes. Okay, now I can hear you. Awesome. Okay, okay so it's you. Recording. That recording. Me, you, and Mindy. Okay, well, it's a bad recording because we're talking, we're sidebarring. Okay. Okay, love, thank you. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so Jeremiah chapter 3. Now, this is a, a chapter about, again, the tribe of Judah and the rest of Israel um, pretty much condemning themselves and, as, as the scriptures say, putting themselves out for uh, prostitution or for lack of better words, they were whoring about the place. In <laughs> um, verse 1, I, I just wanted to bring it to because it, it kind of sets the tone. And I'll read verse 1 real quick here. And uh, I got some cross-references, which will be great for a few of the verses. And it says, They say if a man put away his wife and she go from him, and become another man's uh, man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. So he's saying right there that hey, if you married to a woman and you divorced her, she is no longer yours. So you cannot, as we all see people do many many times try and go back to their exes and all this other stuff, you know, and um, it's just not uh, the right thing to do because, as he said, it has is now it's polluted. That that land, as in other words, that body is polluted, and you can't, you cannot um, allow yourself to continue to dwell in the past. What's done is done. You have to continue to move forward in your life. Once that lady becomes someone else's, and the thing I, uh, reason why I say this is because a lot of us tend to not let go of things, uh, and that's what he's he's dwelling on is not letting go of the things that are are, are hindering us. And for many people, as and I'm using marriage because as me and Mindy spoke earlier, it's the way of of. Comprehending is the easiest way and understanding it. A lot of us will get divorced from someone and they become someone else's, but we want to go back and dig into the pot. 
while they're still with the other person. And that is not a um, kosher thing to do. But he's saying that that, that that is polluted. Once you have given up something and someone else has claimed it, it is no longer yours. Stealing or fornicating is a sin, and that's what he's saying here. Okay? So, moving on, in verse 2 he says, Lift up thine eyes unto the high places and see where thou hast not been lying with in the ways has thou sat for them as, sorry, I lost my place, as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. So everything you do, you're leaving a trail of filth. So when you walk through life sinning, no matter what that sin is, it can be lying, um, it can be pretty much just about anything, and you're, you're leaving a path of destruction behind you, okay? What God is saying is you can have a way of cutting that path off and not letting that path lead you all the way to your end point, okay? And... What you want to uh, uh, take note to is God said he is merciful. He wants you to know that he will forgive you and he will forget all those transgressions in the past if you allow yourself to repent and turn your, turn your life over to God. Okay? Now I'm going to jump down to verse 8. Um, because, uh, you know, verse 7 talks about them dealing treacherously, um, even with uh, Judah. Because here's the key point in life that we all need to consider. When we talk about people that are connected to us in our lives, whether it be friends, family, coworkers, or whatever the case may be, verse 8 says, and I... Um, now, I'll read verse 7 as well. And it says, And I said, um, uh, after she had done all these things, turned out unto me, but she returned not. And her treacherous sister, Judah, saw it. Now, he's saying Israel done all these things and would not turn their life over to, um, to God. They would not do the right thing. And Judah, being a sister country, saw them doing all these things, right? And now here in verse 8, it says, and I, and I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not from when God punished Israel. Judah didn't even fear that punishment and took it for naught, and, and, but went and played the harlot also. So you see, what what you tie yourself to in life can also be your downfall. You can allow people to drag you down with them. Sometimes you've got to cut ties with people. If you can't change them, you have to allow God to deal with them. Okay, I know all of us want to play the superheroes in life, but we cannot save everybody. That's why God sent numerous people to do his work, because Every person calls for a different kind of uh, 
touch or outreach to be to be reached in order to be turned over to God. And sometimes you just have to allow God to work. Just as when he he dealt with Israel, that had it had to be done. No one could turn them and say turn to God because he himself told them to turn over and they couldn't. So now their punishment comes. With Judah, they allowed the backsliding of Israel to taint their walk as well. So if I have a brother or sister and no matter what I do, they cannot or will not change their ways and turn their lives over to Christ, sometimes I have to let go because sometimes that bad apple will now make me rotten as well if I stick too close. And sometimes you're not cutting yourself off. You're not saying that I don't want anything else to do with this person, but sometimes you have to take your hands off of things and allow God to do the work, just as he did in verse 8. You have to allow God to reach in and pretty much send this person through some things to change their ways. And a lot of people, they either go to jail and get a life-threatening situation going to where they have to change their ways, you know. But sometimes God has to go to that stream in order to get something out of us because we're being so stubborn in our ways sometimes, and we just can't hear anything that someone is trying to tell us when when someone is trying to reach out to us and actually save our souls, help save our souls. And we're just ignorant to the fact and think that they're, you know, a nuisance to us or, oh, here they come preaching that Jesus stuff again, you know. But that's the way people take it because they don't want to change. Mm -hmm. They don't want to allow God to be in their lives because they don't want to truly turn their lives over. Jesus said, there has never been a man who has given a mother, father, brother, sister for my sake, meaning they have never, ever truly let go of everything in this world. They always want to hold on to something. And we're all that way. We want to hold on to something in this world, whether it be our spouse, our children, you know, that favorite music you like, whatever it is. You don't, you won't. If God says to let it go, you be like trying to hold on to it, you know, like, oh, I just want to, you know, I'll reach out and try to help you, but I just want to make sure I don't let this go, you know. You can't truly do God's work when you're bound in the chain and chained to the wall. You can't go anywhere. So you have to let it go. So does anyone have any uh, insight or anything you want to add to? It just reminded me of uh, my sister before she was a believer. Um, she would be going through a lot of like hard things, and you know, we would we would say to her, well, "What you need is God. You need Jesus." And she's like, "Oh, I don't want to hear that." I and like she she just like, "I, you know, I that's not an answer. I don't want to hear that." <laughs> but I think it, I think you're right in in. You can still have a relationship with people, but you don't need to do the, the things that you used to do with them. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go out in the town and drink and be up all night with you anymore. Yeah. You know, I'll go out to lunch with you and I'll talk to you. But, you know, 
setting that boundary so that you're not putting yourself in a situation where you, um, you're going to be drawn to those things that, that they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it's very important to keep your grounding, you know, mm-hmm. because as soon as you waver in your faith, then they're going to go, see, see, you know, those those Christian people, you know, it's like, you know, now you're now you're like, you know, the poster child of of of, of the uh, backsliding Christian, you know, right. and and you don't want to uh, put that picture out there because you're trying to do a work for God and you don't want to taint that work to say that, you know, the whole thing of God is bad because then everybody thinks that oh, you know, hey, they're they're not so great, you know, look at them, they're doing the same thing we're doing, mm-hmm. you know. And you don't want to portray that picture and put God in that, you know, that manner of a thought to anyone. You want to show everyone how God is, truly is, mm-hmm. and how he's working in your lives. And the only way you can do that is standing fast and, and firm on your beliefs. Not let anyone sway you left or right. But stand on that, you know, that straight path. Some people will come 
with the nice, nice smiling, with gifts, and they mean nothing but harm because they want you to do what they're doing because sometimes people get, believe it or not, they get very jealous and envious of you correcting your ways in your life, and they haven't, so they try to bring you back to the life of destruction. And it's unfortunately that that's a human nature that a lot of people have in them, that they're like, hey, I don't want to be alone in this. I can't change my ways because I don't want to give up these things. But since I see you doing well, let me see if I can get you to come back with me because I need somebody to uh, be miserable with. I think actually, you know, everything that everybody said is also true. And definitely what you just said, it, it, it actually happened to me. You know, I can testify that it does happen, you know, where, you know, you decide to live your life for the Lord and then, you know, you end up some type of way getting around the people that you used to be around. And, of course, they remember you another way, and they want you to be that person again because what do they want to do? They want to relive the glory days. You know, everybody wants to do that. Everybody, you know, as we get older, we always reminisce on old times. And it's okay to talk about, you know, certain things, but then you also have to um, be aware of your own um signals or signs that, you know, that you're in a danger zone. Because if I put myself in a certain situation, then I'm going to start to do old things. And you just have to realize that um, you're just that vulnerable, you know, Mm because sometimes we we get prideful in our mind to think, okay, well, I've been saved for, you know, this many years, and I'm, you know, I'm strong in this way, I'm strong in that way, you know, I'm a prayer warrior, and I'm a you know, I do intercessory prayer. I pray for other people. I do this and I do that. And you start to think that stuff in your mind. But yet, if you get in that situation, you can be tempted just like Job, Job was. You know, Job was a great example, you know, of somebody who, who had the ability to withstand. But, you know, there was, you know, some days where he, you know, said, you know, um, you know, it's just, you know, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay, you know, grounded in my faith. And God had showed him at the end is that you never called on me because we have to realize that, you know, that it's not just our strength that gets us through. It's actually God. So there's a lot of the times where you get in a situation, you might be tempted. You need to call on the Lord. You need to physically call on the Lord, like, Lord, help me out this situation. Lord, you know, uh, you know, give me a way out. Give me a, a open door. So um, it is always good to identify yourself and not get too prideful. Amen to that. And and that that brings up a good point when she says calling out to God. And sometimes, if you're listening, God is calling out to you. Okay, read verse twelve here in chapter three. It says. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. So God is literally calling out to them. Just as some say, you got to call out to him. 
sometimes he calls to you. You just have to be, you know, aware of what's going on and know God's voice. Mm-hmm. And he said he's merciful and he won't be angry forever. So he's there. Eventually, there there's mercy and grace abound abound upon you. You just have to again repent. That's all it is. Yeah, that's one of the things that really struck me in reading this. That it just kept saying return, return, return. Yeah. I want you. I want you. Um, and then another um, part, he said, "How gladly will I treat you like my children?" Like that word "gladly" really struck me. Right. That he wants my notes were. He wants us to return. He wants us to return. He wants to love us. He wants to do what's good for us. There's just a really good reminder to me, like kind of where I was spiritually to. To, to remember that, like this, this is who God is. He wants us. He loves us. Right. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And then, uh, and if you skip down to uh, fifteen, well, let's read fourteen because, like she says, it's a backsliding thing. And it says in fourteen, "Turn, O backsliding children," saith the Lord, "for I am married unto you, and I will take you, one of a city." and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. He said he's, he wants you to be with him as one, as like a family, like, you know, husband, wife, son, daughter, you know, come in here. Let me give you a hug, you know. And that's what he he's trying to explain to them. And it's as simple as saying, Lord, please forgive me for I have sinned. Mm-hmm. And I've sinned such and such sin, and just change your ways from that point. Now he say backsliding, and the reason why he's saying backsliding because what you have to realize, people always say, "Oh, backsliding is someone who turned their life over to Christ and then they backslid into the life in which they were." However, it also means that you have repented onto something, and you had gone back to do that thing again, okay? It may not be the whole lifestyle in which you had before. Like some people are like, oh, this person's not going to church anymore. They're not doing this and this and that anymore. But they just totally remove themselves from church. That's how we normally see the backsliding thing where people just, you know, just cut God off period in their life and go back to partying, go back to drinking, go back to smoking, go back to whatever it is they were doing, all, you know, full-blown, 100%, without going to church, without praying, without reading their book. Technically, that is what, you know, um, we see when we, uh, uh, or uh, that's what we noted, notice to be backsliding, okay? But it also remains, when we talked about this a few weeks ago, is repenting, repentance remains, means asking for forgiveness of something and not doing it again. So when you backslide, that's what you did. You actually went against that repentance, okay? You say, Lord, forgive me of this particular thing, you know, whether it be masturbating, cheating on your spouse, uh, you know, abusiveness, whatever it is. And you say you won't do it again, and all of a sudden you find yourself doing it again, okay? So it's not just forgetting God altogether, not going to church and all that stuff. It's also meaning that 
it can be that one simple thing that you ask for forgiveness for and you have not um, taken a chance to truly alleviate that issue out of your life. So you can backslide in that manner as well, okay? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we all we all been moonwalking through the faith <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If you want to look, that's right, (laughs) moonwalking, that's right, you've been moonwalking through the faith, most of us do it, you know, we ask for forgiveness and next week we're doing it right over again, it's like, you know, then you find yourself asking for forgiveness again, you know, you know, it kind of doesn't work, but God is grace unto us and, and 15 shows his grace because he says, and I will give you Pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now, that is powerful. He's saying he will send someone, and we know who that someone is, but he also, not only that someone, that someone also ordained a whole lot of people to carry out some words. Okay? And we're talking about Jesus. And Jesus came, and he ordained a whole lot of other people, disciples and, and uh, apostles, to do his work. Okay, and that's what he's saying. These people will come, and they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Okay, now with that being said, I want you to flip over to Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty-eight. Yes, Uncle Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That is correct. And this verse reads, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So what is he saying? Do right. Walk circumspectly in your walk and know that everyone else that sees your walk will want to join your walk. But if they see you half-stepping or only doing this thing part-time, you can't get someone coming in to something like that. If you got a business proposal that you go to the bank with and you come up with a whole bunch of negative numbers, do you think you're going to get the loan to open up your business? <laughs> no. You're not going to get it. They're going to be like, uh, you might want to come back and try this again. <laughs> you know, some better stuff. And show us that you, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be, be profitable. Same thing in our walk. When we walk through life and we're trying to convert people and bring people into Christ, we have to have some positive numbers. We have to show ourselves to be a positive, you know, individual that is encouraging, respectful, you know, and and a whole lot of other things to, to be able to get someone to change their club life. 
Because, you, know, I, I, you know, I was 22 as well, you know, in my 20s, you know, partying it up, you know, clubbing, you know. We all do it. For someone to give up the club life, it's going to take a whole lot of work because the club life is where everybody wants to be. You got 40, 50-year-olds still trying to live the club life, you know. <laughs> and let's go party. Let's go drinking. You know, it's a hard thing to give up for people because for them it's that feel-good thing, you know. But we need to give them something that's going to show them what feeling good really and truly is, and that's Christ, knowing that no matter what you do, no matter how much you fail, he's going to be there to instruct you and to bless you with things. You know, even a person who is out there in the world, God blesses them now and then. But show them that if you turn fully over to him, you're blessed all the time. You're getting, you know, all your prayers answered. You know, every time you think you're in a financial bind, boom, something happens where you're all right. You know, some way God works it out for you. You'd be like, I don't know how this happened, but, hey, I'm thankful that it did. But in the club life, it doesn't happen that way. You're always spinning your wheels dollar for dollar trying to live. Because a lot of people tend to shed responsibilities or their their um, their life um, with I need to get to the club or I need to go out I need to go drinking with the buddies you know or whatever or go on a vacation that they can't afford you know and that's just the way it is and you can't live life that way. You can't live your life carelessly that way. You've got to understand order. And God puts that order into us as the Christian life. And uh, so just he's saying, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock. Again, because what people see is what they're going to, you know, interpret everything to be. That's how they're going to see the Christian faith. How you present it is how people are going to take it. And you don't even realize that you're presenting it when you're walking down the street, when you're talking with someone, you know, in a hallway or whatever. There's a scripture that also says, too, that I present my my body as a living living sacrifice. sacrifice. So if you say, I'm going to if I'm a living sacrifice, then literally I am that sacrificial lamb that I, that's being shown around to the world that this is what is being sacrificed unto God. Mm-hmm. This is um, what is sacred. So you're saying that you're a sacred, you know, sacrifice unto God. There's a um, um, a way that they actually used to um, um, sacrifice um um, goats in in the Bible, and they called it the scapegoat. Now, everybody mm-hmm. knows that terminology, the scapegoat, right? But it came from a way that they would actually sacrifice it, is that the um, priests would come and they would take the goat and they would um, carry, they would, uh, you know, pull it around town, you know, where all the people were. And, of course, everybody was casting their sins, you know, upon the goat. 
you know, before it was actually going to be sacrificed. So it was being, you know, shown as the sacrifice. And um, that's kind of like, you know, um, what we are to a certain extent, you know, is that we're, we're that sacrifice, you know, um, a holy sacrifice unto, unto the Lord. So that's the reason why people, you know, sometimes will look and say, look, there's a blemish on that goat. That goat's not good for sacrifice. Right. You know, that, 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 that goat, you know, in heat, it's not time for that, for that goat to, you know, to get sacrificed. You know, that's why people will do that because it's, it's a, it's, just nature that if something is being pre- presented to them, they'll automatically judge it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like when we uh, eat our food. You know, we look at it, we smell it, we, we do all these different mm-hmm. things with the flesh to try to see if it's good to eat. So we have to know that that's the way that the world sees us. So we have to be careful, like he has said, walk circumspectly, knowing that, you know, um, the trials that you're going through right now, it's not just for you, but it's for everybody else around you, you know. And um, um, you want to show that this is a life that is capable of happening. Right, right. And that's the thing is, is that, too, sometimes people present a Christian life in such a way that it is incapable of living it. <laughs> so, you know, we we can't, we have to be careful with that too. We have to know that we're going to slip, we're going to fall, we're going to do things wrong. You know, people are going to catch you in a, you know, a lie or a whatever else you might be dealing with. But, you know, you always, you know, explain it. Like you said, give an account for the reason why you believe. Give an account for why you are saying that, you know, that, that, that Jesus is Lord and that he's your savior, he's your personal savior, you know. And just saying, you know what, I may slip and fall and, and all these different things, is, you know why? Because I'm not that holy, transformed being in heaven yet. <laughs> I'm summer. Yeah. That's the reason why, you know, I, you know when, I, when I talk to people, I tell people I love just tell them I'm summer. I don't like to really present myself with some title and all this other stuff or whatever, you know, just, you know, because it doesn't make it unbelievable, you know. You just get to know me as a person, you know, and you'll know what I'm going through and what my battles are, you know, and how I'm getting over them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a God. Yeah. yeah. But the, the, like I said, he... He presented he presented his son to actually lead the way. You know, just as that scripture just read as he in fifteen said he will send pastors unto you to feed you knowledge and understanding. And in Ezekiel thirty thirty four, verse twenty three, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it real quick. It coincides with what the last two verses I just read. It says in verse twenty three of Chapter 34, Ezekiel. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. That's what he's saying. That's what God is saying. He sent Jesus to us to feed us the knowledge and understanding of the scriptures and of what God's word is saying to us so that we can go out 
again, and as his word says, to edify the body of Christ. You edify it by doing right, righteous things. You carry yourself in a righteous manner. You think in a righteous manner. You speak in a righteous manner. Okay, you seek in a righteous manner. You live in a righteous manner. So whatever you're doing should be a righteous manner because Jesus has given us the yellow brick road, as we would say, in the Wizard of Oz. He's given us the yellow brick road, and all we got to do is, as they told him, don't get off the path. Stay on that path. You stay on the yellow brick road, and you will get to Oz, as they said in the Wizard of Oz. So Jesus has given you the yellow brick road. Just continue to follow his teaching. So the Old Testament is good because it gives you the foundation of why things were said and what they, why they derived the way they derived. The New Testament takes that Old Testament and gives you the knowledge and understanding of what these things are and, you know, an interpretation of them. So if you're going to preach to somebody, if you're going to speak to somebody or try to counsel anyone in any manner, you want to get an understanding and a knowledge of the scriptures before you open your mouth to anyone. Because sometimes you'll run into people who are not students of the word, but they can recite scripture. And I had a friend who ran into someone like that on the street when they were trying to go out and do some charity work. Um, and they ran into a young man that literally, I'll tell you what, I've never seen not one preacher was able to do this. This young man, literally, he could recite the doggone Bible without even opening it. And when I tell you recite, I mean he will give you the scripture and everything. And he would recite, not just, no, we, we're good at reciting one verse, right? <laughs> we all can do that. No, this young man would say in, in 1 John chapter 2, and he would recite the whole thing. <laughs> and I mean, seriously. Believe it or not, he was a, 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 a young man. He was homeless over in Philly, and 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 my friend got him and his um, entourage got caught by this young man, and they had no answer for him. He didn't know any interpretation of, but he knew what it said, and every time they would come at him with a scripture, he would come back with another scripture. But because they didn't have an understanding and knowledge thereof of the scriptures, they were in a losing battle with him because pretty much they were on the same plane with him because neither one of them understood it because he was asking questions about, okay, what does this mean? And they said, well, go to verse whatever, whatever. And he said, okay. And he Literally, when they told him that, he said, I know that verse. And he read it. He spilled it out to him verbatim. He didn't even have a Bible in his hand. I kid you not. And he said, I know what that scripture says. He he blurts it out, and then he goes, but however, this scripture, and he blurts another scripture out, says this, and they had no answer for him. So you have to be well-versed and know your interpretation, and that's why Jesus came 
to give us understanding and knowledge thereof. Because you can't just read this and say, okay, I know the scriptures. Yeah, it has to be deeper. Can I jump in, though, Another thing that you also have to be mindful of, too, is um, what spirit you're dealing with. Exactly. Okay. So it's not just about knowing the scriptures, but it's also about being quiet. You know, like he has said, be slow to speak and quick to hear. Because if you're quick to hear and if you're silent, you can hear the voice of God and what God has to say, and then he'll even give you what to say. And um, you can also identify what spirit that that person is coming in because if the person is just in an antagonizing spirit, then you're going to get caught in a loop of information because information is not what this man needs. He already has enough information. What should have been done was to just stop and let's pray for the comforter to come because the comforter will give you, will bring all of these scriptures back and give you wisdom. But without the Holy Ghost, all of this information is nothing. Mm-hmm. Like he like he said, you know, ever learning, yet never coming to the knowledge of the full, truth. Full knowledge of the truth. And it's like, you know, if we don't come to that knowledge, we're not going to come to that knowledge of the truth because God's not going to trust you with it. He's not going to trust you with it because of the fact that, that, that your heart isn't right. So we can be that way to where we're just learning words and words and words and words and words and words. And words but not really coming to the truth of who God is. And really that's what it is all about. And that in this word is supposed to everything is supposed to bring you into that relationship and, and bring you deeper and closer and then him revealing more and more of himself, you know, unto you. So it's 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 about that. It's about that tightness and that relationship that we have. So in that, you just rest in it. You know how we had that one um, uh, that one Bible study we were talking about entering into the rest. Just rest in God and let the Lord do it. He will give you what to say. And it's so important, too, even with your family, because I, I found that to be hard for myself, is that when I very first had got saved and I was seeking God in a way that I was seeking him, and my family really didn't understand um, why I was seeking him in the way that I was. And um, a lot of the times I would try to explain or I would try to justify myself. And, of course, there, you know, my justifications just sound like I'm in a court courtroom arguing a case, you know. So people can't see it in that way or they, they look at it with reason. And, and, not until I had waited and I got silent and I waited on the Lord. And then when the Lord gave me what to say, that is what put my family members at ease, you know, as to who I am in God and the way that I, I was seeking God for myself. Um, God only has the answers for us all. You know, he is the only one who can know what that specific person needs at that specific time, whether it's a stranger or if it is a family member. 
Anyone else? No? All right. Moving on. We're going to jump over to chapter, I mean, verse 23 of Jeremiah, chapter 3. I want to read these last few chapters because they're 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 key into locking this thing whole all up. Okay, and we know about the transgressions. We know about you know the backsliding and the forgiveness and the mercy that he's speaking of through this whole chapter. Now, in verse twenty-three, he says, "Truly, in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from." The multitude of mountains, truly in the Lord our God, is the salvation of Israel. I had wrote a note down for this because if you go to Psalms 121, you'll get an understanding of that verse. Psalms 121 reads, And I'll read the, the first two chapters. But I, I suggest you read the whole thing for yourself. There's only eight verses. Psalms 121 reads, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I mean, in the Psalms 3, it talks about the whole thing. It's knowing who to call upon, knowing when you're in trouble, when you want to get out, when you do want to change your ways, to ask for that forgiveness, to seek God, and he will be there, okay? He will definitely be there. And for those who, sometimes those who don't want to change, get changed anyway, just like Paul did, you know? Sometimes, just like Jonah, you may not want to, but God's like, no, you're going to. You know, I need you to do something. So, hey, whether you like it or not, you know, you're going to eat your vegetables. Okay? <laughs> so, that's how I operate sometimes, and you have to deal with it. All right? So read that uh, for yourself, that whole thing, because it, it's, um, it, it's very key to that. All right? And verse 25, like I said, locks it up. And it says here, we lie down in our own shame, and our confusion covereth us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God. We and our fathers from our youth even unto this day and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. It's a shame. It's a it's a deep, deep shame that we. It's like when Jesus was here, in the flesh, speaking on the streets in the in synagogues. No one paid him attention, except the select few. Now, don't get me wrong; the multitude started coming, but it's a shame that not everyone heard those words and took heed. This is what 
that's all about. We lie down in our own shame because we don't want to admit our wrongs. We don't want to tell someone, you know, yeah, I was wrong, I did this, I did that. And that's a prideful thing, and that's why you lay down in your own shame because you got pride, and it says, you know, you're covered, you know, you're covered with confusion. Because your own pride keeps you in confusion. Because it, you, your pride won't let you hear the truth. Right. It keeps you in a state um, of saying, I may not be right, but because but I don't want to listen to you, I'm not. It's like a stubborn child. Don't touch that iron. <laughs> you know, and they touch it anyway. You know, that's how we act sometimes. And that's how God sees us, you know. And I want to read something that coincides with that. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to go to Ezra again. I had a lot of scriptures, but I just wanted to get the point across with this. Ezra chapter 9, verses 9. It is 9. No, I'm sorry. Chapter 9, verse 7. And it says, Since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day. And for our inequities have we, our kings, and our priests been delivered into the hand of the kings of the land, meaning the enemy, to the sword and to captivity and to, to a spoil and to confusion of faith as it is this day. Now, he goes on and talks about something that's very important here in verses 8 and 9. And it says in verse 8, And now for a little space grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. So he's giving you some kind of hope to get through this thing. Verse 9, for we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of, in the, kings of Persia memories at that time, to give us a reviving to set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. He's giving you something to stand on. He's giving you something to protect you. And he's saying that his mercy is forever with you, even through your transgressions. He's just waiting for you to come to him with repentance. Okay? That's all he's seeking right now is for you to repent. All right? And that's pretty much what this chapter is talking about, repentance. And if you want further reading, you can read uh, Hosea chapter 14, which talks about repentance. That's Hosea, H-O-S-E-A. So in that, in Ezra, when he talks about the remnant, um, -hmm. a lot of few of us to survive as a remnant. So I don't know, something struck me in the reading in Jeremiah too. Like I have the NIV version. It says, you know, 
um, I would choose you, one from a town and two from a clan. And I'm reading my study. I, that, I, I was like, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading my study Bible. It says it's a remnant, like mm-hmm. a portion of a portion the, of. Is that the same thing? Yes. Like a portion of the, the larger mass. Yes. Um, and he's a remnant, meaning a select few. That's why Jesus says, you know, um, you know, only a few will find a way. But he always leaves a remnant for the hope that the word continues to spread, to get the word out, to change lives, to do whatever needs to be done. Um, just like Sodom and Gomorrah, he saved Lot's family. Okay? Um, the flood, he saved Noah's family. So he always left, in other words, they, like, as they say, he always left a witness behind. That's right, to tell the story and to get the word out of who God is and what he is capable of. Yeah. And he always leaves, again, that remnant thereof. Well, I was likening this into, like, God's chosen people in the end. So if you're reading in Jeremiah from, like, 14, right. you know, down, it says, you know, I'll take this remnant um, and I'll bring you to Zion. Isn't that liking, like, the people who are actually saved in the end, like, that actually make it to heaven, to Zion? Yeah. And, um... In that Funny that you mentioned it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this word remnant, it's like it's popped up like three times recently, so I don't I don't know. I know. Going with it. <laughs> now what when we first started our ministry, the scripture that was given to me because we named the house of David and this is what God told me to name it, not me. Wasn't <laughs> anything out of the flesh. Okay? But the scripture I I, I was given to read, uh, and to Pastor was from Acts chapter 15, okay? And this is what our ministry stands on, mm-hmm. okay? Acts chapter 15, and the verses are start from verse 14. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Acts chapter 15, verse 14, I will start. Okay? And if you go to our website, you'll see this, this scripture as well. It says in verse 14, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. So that right there, when he said the residue, meaning the remnant thereof, meaning he's gathering in those who are left behind, you know, those who are not in the fold, you know, have gone astray. It's the remnant that when you read Revelation, it talks about the 12 tribes and the numbers thereof of the 12 tribes. 
but the remnant is everything outside of that those that number of those twelve tribes. Mm-hmm. Okay, everything that is left after the twelve tribes. It says that there's a number too great for me to to uh to uh number. Okay. So if you look at it next again, that's how the house of David, which it says right here, the tabernacle of David, which is what we're we're named after. Mm-hmm. This is what yeah. God this is what God had given me and this is what our ministry stands on. To bring in as many people as we can to save as many people as we can, just as the scripture says to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about us getting members, having 5,000 members or whatever, but if we can touch 10 people here, 100 people there, or whatever the case may be, however God wills it to be, that's the work that we're going to put in. Mm-hmm. And, again, that remnant is what we're focused on. Yeah. Anybody who's out there who wants to come in, we're trying to make it easy for them to come in. We're not trying to, as Jesus said, his yoke is light. Don't 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 burden the people, you know, to come to you know to Christ because, you know, that can be a hindrance in in your work in your walk with with you know, as we're trying to do this for God and and stay in His will, is making sure that we don't put hindrances on the people who are trying to come to Christ, but show them truly what Jesus is saying to them and how to live their lives accordingly, you know. Nothing to do with your hair, your clothing, or anything like that, but it's from the inside that he wants to see yeah. changed. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that's what, we, that's what we go by. And also, too, just to reveal, you know, the truth. But, you know, just to unveil the truth. That's what that's what you know. We know as revelation is is unveiling what what the truth is, and knowing what's actually going on. Not even just in the physical realm, because that's what we talked about tonight, but also in the spiritual realm. There's always battles going on for you. You know, there's always battles going on for city, for nation. You know, there's all these different spiritual battles that are that are going on and waging war all the time, all the time, all the time. That's the reason why he, you know, he tells you to um, to be guarded up, you know, um, you know, almost, you know, because the days continue to grow more and more evil, you know, you know, the helmet of salvation, you know, he's he's trying to, you know, tell you individually to be guarded up, but he's also telling you that there's something going on on a on a spiritual level that you're just not aware of, and that's why he talks about principalities and principles and rules of the air. You know what I mean? So he's he's telling you that all these different things are going on, you know, atmospherically as well, that um, work against you. Mm-hmm. And um, to always be aware of it, be awake to it, to know that that these things are going on, and not be ignorant of it. And like to go back to the to the, to the things that that used to hinder you is um, is trivial. You know, we know, we all know that because if we've done it, we know it is trivial. You know that that it was just a momentary, you know, thing that I, you know, I just wanted to do, and I got it out of my system or whatever. You know, da da da. But it's like, why you really didn't weigh the consequence, right? Because if you actually put it on a weight of consequence, you would say it's not worth it, right? You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and then to know that okay, if I 
put myself in this situation, a greater thing can happen. You know what I mean? Like if I run that risk of doing this thing, something that could totally change my life could happen. Like I could end up in jail. You know what I mean? Or I can end up with a disease that I can't get rid of. You know, I can end up with a child. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or I can end up losing my home or losing my family or just losing my loved ones. You know, whatever. There's these different little momentary things that you have to know that there's a bigger atmospheric thing that can actually happen that can just change the course of your life. And that's why it's so important to make sure that we stay the course and that we know that, you know what I mean, all those little temporary things, they're not going to mean anything. They're not going to mean anything in the grand scheme of things. So it's like when you see Jesus for yourself, face to face, when you see God face to face, you think you're going to be caring about kicking it? You think you're going to be caring about, you know what I mean, like, you know, okay, sleeping with this person or drinking or smoking or getting high and da da whatever. You, you ain't going to be None of that is even going to matter. You know what I mean? And yesterday is just going to be gone, and you just, it's just going to be about you and Jesus. And then, and then the love and the, the words, you know, and to, and to want to know. You know, everything on the path will just not even matter, you know, anymore, you know. And it's like, you know, to, to even, if you, and if you can carry that mindset to now, bring God right now into your life in that way where he is in your mindset every day, like you're face-to-face. Then you'll start to see your decisions change, and you'll start to, to, to see God apply more because now I've brought him into my presence, you know, and I've allowed him to make those changes in my, in my thinking, you know, in, in the things that I'm doing, you know. And, you know, and it's not easy because our emotions is a battle and a principality unto ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not an easy thing, but if you can always keep Christ at the forefront of your mind, then that's, you know, it, it's just an amazing change, you know, in our thinking. Amen. 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 Anyone else got anything to add or any questions? Um, just one thing that I got in reading really struck me was um, uh, it was verse 4 chapter 3 it says have you not just called to me my father my friend from my youth will you always be angry will your wrath continue forever this is how you talk but you do all the evil you can um, and that really struck me as, you know, something that, you know, sometimes you're like, why, why, why is this happening? But, you know, it, it goes back to considering yourself. Are you really considering your actions and maybe what's putting you in those situations, right. you know? And if you're always crying out why, like, well, let's, let's look at yourself first, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just uh, one thing that I kind of struck me when I was reading, so I went to call that out. Right. No, that's great. I was actually talking to somebody today, uh, counseling somebody over the phone today, and they were uh, talking about a relationship that really wasn't working. And, um, you know, I had to stop them because you know how you kind of, you're emotional and you get into the story of it, right? 
and all the details really don't matter. But what matters is is what is the reality, you know. And um, so it's kind of like you know um, bringing back. It's it's kind of like um, when you, you know how they'll they'll drop something in water and whatever is up at the top floats to, to the top is the pure stuff, and all the dirt kind of like falls to the bottom, you know. And it's like um, the Bible even says, is what is of good report, you know, what is of what is good and what is pure, you know, of, of pure and of good report. So, you know, you got to kind of see these situations, you know, that happen to you, not as all the little details that go on with it, but the, the essence of what it is that you might be going through. That God, you know, it's kind of like the moral to the story. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. I don't know if you know Underdog, but <laughs> Underdog. You don't remember that. You don't remember that cartoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think <laughs> you, know, you just think about one of those old cartoons. You know, all of the older cartoons. There was always like this moral to the story type thing at the at the end of the uh, at the end of the cartoon, and and some you know narrator comes in and tells you what you really should be thinking about at the end of the story. It wasn't about all the little you know. It wasn't about the whole cartoon itself, but what did you learn? You know, what did, what did you get out of it? You know, and um, that's what you always should be seeking for is answers. You know. Instead of accusation, because that's what that sounds like to me is accusation. Oh God, you know, like the Lord stands on this. You know, you know how some people say, "Oh, hey, He stands on His throne and He sees all these things happening to us and He does nothing." You know, but they don't really get it that there is a moral story. There's a reason why. Mm-hmm. There is a master plan at work here. And, I hate that. Um, uh, I hate that when people say, "Why is God allowing things to happen?" Like, they don't have a choice. Like, there's no free will in the world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, they don't have a party mm-hmm. or an invitation to what is going on in their life. Like, they didn't see certain things coming their way. Mm-hmm. And um, Hold on to Ryan. This week I was, uh, something stuck in my craw, living your truth. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the truth? Don't point at everybody else. What is exactly happening? Don't color code it. What is what is going on, and how is it that you know God? You 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 think that God sees it a certain way or is allowing certain things to happen when God is waiting for you to help you through that situation. Want to be involved in that situation. That's true. That's true. It's always, you know, like you like you said, the wizard behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> the wizard behind the curtain. And telling just, you that the answer was in you the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Click your heels three times, Dorothy. <laughs> wake it up, girl. Wake it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so. We'll 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 close out and leave it with that. Um, I hope that this was beneficial. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I will be texting out next week's read or study, shall I say? It's going to be Proverbs chapter fourteen. That so we're going to be studying Proverbs chapter fourteen. 
And before you read Proverbs chapter 14, I would like you to read chapter 1 of Proverbs, verses 1 through 6. <laughs> and when you read it, you'll know why I asked you to read that first. So verses 1 through 6, chapter 1 of Proverbs. But I will text that out as well. Okay. All right. Hey. Awesome. So we'll go ahead and pray out. And uh, you ready, dear? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father God, we come to you and pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for this blessed time of reading your word, dear Lord God. We thank you for the understanding, dear Lord God, and the, and the gained knowledge in which we walk away with. We pray in Jesus' name right now, dear Lord God, that you clear our minds, dear Lord God, for anything new in which you will have us to learn, dear Lord God, so that we not blocking it out, dear Lord God, and we, that we receive it willingly, dear Lord God, and with an open heart. We thank you for forever watching over us and keeping us in good health, keeping us safe, throughout our travels, dear Lord God, and blessing us all on our jobs and our homes and blessing our families as well, dear Lord God. We thank you for ever keeping us, dear Lord God, within your mercy, dear Lord God, and keeping faith in us, dear Lord God, to do the right thing. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we give thanks, honor, and glory to your name. Amen. 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 All right. And happy birthday, Benny. <laughs> tell him he said it. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell him I tell him I said happy birth anniversary. Birth anniversary. Birth anniversary. Birth anniversary. Yes, it's not a birthday. You only birthday is the day you was born. Okay, you gotta do that now. Okay, yeah, let that go. Mr. Anal, Mr. Analytical. Can you let it go? Okay, if you like, having church on Sunday? Huh? Are you having church on Sunday? Absolutely. Oh, every Sunday now. Every Sunday, we will be there. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.